This is 1 in 44, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. 1 in 44 is a weekly show devoted to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to 1 in 44, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And this morning I am speaking with Tracy Ann Samuels and her husband, Jamil Samuels, about the amazingly sensational kids in your life and that you write about and impact in all sorts of ways. So Tracy Ann and Jamil, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, you're located just a little south of Anderson, uh, fellow New Yorkers. So it's nice to have you. I sometimes I interview people who are, especially this time of year, who are like in a tropical location, and I get very jealous. Um, so we are all sitting here enjoying, you know, March weather in New York. Um, let me jump right in though and ask you to talk a little bit about each of yourselves and your background, um, maybe your family a little bit, and then we'll get into your uh, your business and what you're doing with uh, the amazingly sensational kids. So Tracy Ann, you want to start us off? Yes, I do. I'm Tracy Ann Samuels. I am a social worker for 22 years. Um, I love working with children and families. And um, I just felt that there was a need in our community to bring about awareness about autism, especially for children of color, because we're five times more likely not to be diagnosed timely. And then having to deal with my own son being on the spectrum, it was an experience. It was an experience that I felt that there was just a need to bring more awareness, you know, the lack of not having timely services, not having timely diagnosis, not having timely the wait time for assessments. I just felt like there was more that I had to do. And I was a social worker to say, okay, if I'm advocating for children, I might as well advocate for my son and advocate for those kids on ASD as well. Um, I'm a wonderful mother to two wonderful children. Um, Trey and Asia, you know, that's my priority. Um, Asia does not have autism, but Trey does. He's turning 15 on Thursday. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm excited. So that's another component. I feel like every part of autism spectrum, you're looking at the initial stage of diagnosis. Then you're looking at the middle part. Then you're looking at transition into adulthood. So we're in the transition and phase, you know, getting him ready for that um, transition into adulthood. And it feels so overwhelming again. It's like every phase you go into this and different feeling that you're feeling. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for this out- outlet. I'm thanking you for taking the time to speak to us today. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. I, um, first of all, I'm also a fellow social worker. Um, that is my educational background as well. Um, and uh, I find it really interesting. So you, so you were already working in this field and, and working with children with autism before you had your son? Yes, I actually... I actually no. I was in. I was a kidney and liver transplant social worker at Downstate Math Center. But when the, my son got his diagnosis, I was working with children who were developmentally delayed. I was actually their their OPD applications, and I'm like, I'm seeing the diagnosis, and I'm trying to tell my family, like, wait a minute, he's exhibiting the same diagnosis. It's it's kind of weird when it's you're going through that. I I couldn't explain it to people, but when you're actually dealing with, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah, but I I would I would think that your um your perspective now from from two different places with it probably has double the impact when you're talking to other moms other dads siblings um who are who are maybe um learning of a new diagnosis or or going through whatever you know journey part of the journey they're on so um so i always really want to thank um especially parents who make choices because you made a choice to um 
to share your story and Trey's story and Asia's story and, uh, you know, with the public. And, um, and I think that takes courage. And, um, so I appreciate that on behalf of certainly the folks here at Anderson, we, um, we, we always try to recognize what people are doing, um, that has an impact for families. So thank you for that introduction. I'm going to come back to you, Tracy, in a minute with a bunch of follow-ups about all things you shared, but, uh, Jamil, you're here too. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Jamil Samuels. I am a writer. I am the husband of Tracy Ann. <laughs> um, I went to school for uh, English and media arts with a concentration in screenwriting. So I was always creative writing stories and screenplays. But um, uh, unlike Tracy Ann, I had no uh, idea what to look for in, in someone that was autistic. I had no idea my son was had a, had a, had a, had a, was on the spectrum at all. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up, um, I was quiet. I was a quiet child in school. I didn't talk to kids really until the third grade. So I saw all that in my son. So I thought that that's what he was going to just put him in school, give him a little time and, you know, he'll gravitate towards other kids. But uh, when, you know, I didn't, I missed all the signs. I'm not ashamed to say it now. I I didn't know what to look for. I didn't know what to, so I was in denial. Um, And, you know, I was part of the group that, you know, shut down Tracy Ann's sign. She was like, you know, something's wrong with him. Something's wrong. And I, and I always said, no, he's quiet. He'll grow out of it. But as we, as he got diagnosed, I became more educated and saw that, you know, I missed a lot of the signs and like, okay, if I can see it, there's other people that are going through the same thing. So um, we decided to use my creative talents and put forth, you know, a book, um, the first children's book. It started as a chapter book, but we decided, well, Tracy Ann said, a picture book would have more of an impact mm-hmm. on, on people. So we put out the children's book. We, we got an illustrator to, to draw, you know, the, the manuscript. And we put out The Amazingly Awesome Imani in 2018. And we got such a great response um, when we went out to, to festivals and book fairs. A lot of people would come to our table and say, you know, wow, you know, you know, this is a great topic. You know, there's so many people that are going through this that I know. We, we like Every other person knew somebody that had a child that was going through this. So I felt that this was, you know, a great way to put out, you know, awareness and show, you know, other people that, you know, we are going through the same things. But you know, other people are, are going through it and it needs to be a topic that needs to be explored and, and put more into the spotlight. So I was glad I was able to use the writing talents for, for good. And, you know, that's what we've been doing since then. We put out a, a bunch of other books since then and just yeah. happy that, you know, we're making an impact. That's fantastic. I love that story. Um, Tracy Ann sounds like you've got played quite the role in, uh, in directing things around here, but, um, but it really seems like you come across as, as great partners in all of this and you take your, your individual talents and, um, and your family. So let's talk a little bit about, um, both, uh, Trey and Asia and, um, I read a little bit on your website, which everybody should know is is the amazingly sensational So the amazingly sensational and also on Instagram and Facebook, you can find more information about these books and about the Samuels family. Um, but I the the books are are based on your children. Yes. Correct. Okay. So so when um, I guess my first question would be, how do they feel about that? Do they give you feedback on are they excited that they're they're, they're in the books? Um, 
you know, was it something that you had to address as a family, whether or not you wanted to put that much of yourself and your family out there to the public? Or was it just like sort of a no brainer? It came really naturally. It didn't really come naturally. Um, my daughter had a lot of questions. She was asking about her brother's behaviors. And I felt that there was a need, especially in my community, to speak about autism. It's always viewed as taboo. No one wants to speak about it. Mm-hmm. And stepping on toes by speaking about this top topic, I felt like, okay, we need to talk about it. Children need to get early intervention. My son missed getting early intervention because no one would listen to me. Even though I was educated, I'm from it. I had a degree from NYU. I was well-trained. I was well-versed. No one would listen to me. The doctor was saying he was fine. He's meeting his milestone. I said, there is something wrong. No mm. one, my family wouldn't listen to me. No one would co-sign what I was seeing. So it was even more overwhelming. It became depressing. So I didn't want other mothers to feel the way I was feeling. And that was another reason why I wanted to advocate and go out and speak about it. Because you're in the dark, you're on your own, you're not speaking about the topic. To be honest, 2018 was the first time my family was even know that Trey was autistic. We never told no one. We told our moms, but even telling them that he was autistic, they were like, oh, forget about it. He's not. I said, he is autistic. He was very intelligent. He could read a book. He was very intelligent, verbatim, back and forth. He would read a book back to us. And I was like, no, this is something is wrong. So 2018 was when everyone knew that our son was autistic. And my daughter kept on saying, why is he flapping his fingers? And I kept on saying, he's stimming. And I, I said, okay, if, if I'm having a hard time explaining his diagnosis to her, other parents are going through the same thing. And I said to my husband, I said, you have an English degree. You have a theater background. We had an adult book written. And I said, okay, let's do a children's book. Let's just do a children's book because parents are struggling explaining autism. And that's where it started from. But they think they're superstars. <laughs> Well, that's good. They are. I mean, look, I I, I think um, one of the things I love about this platform that you created with the children's book and the and the chapter books in the series and, and just the premise that here's a here's a child who's kind of quiet by day, but at night he becomes a super a superhero. I, I mean, it's just so cool. And it feeds so perfectly into where so many children, whether on the spectrum or not, you know, are going to relate to that fantasy, that idea of what happens, you know, to me when I'm at night. How many of us as parents tell our children goodnight stories that are all full of that kind of idea of, of um, there's a whole different world out there, you know, while you're sleeping and you're dreaming. And it's, it's just, I love that. And also you're taking something that is such an important part of uh, society as a whole, which is reading and being read to, especially in the classroom, but also at home. And, and you're, and you're adding autism into the mix of, of cool things to learn about and to read about. And also advocacy, which I love from the perspective of Asia becoming this person who can be a role model when siblings can shift just a little bit from being confused or maybe even a little embarrassed to, um, to, no, I actually am an expert on this. I know what to do in this scenario. So I, I think it's brilliant. Um, it's, it's often, uh, I think a lot of times people are looking for this sort of golden nugget, some some elusive what in football, the Hail Mary, right? Like this big thing that only happens once in a lifetime. But um, but what you've done is is taking something that already exists and just embedding this message in there. So so I think it's great. Um and, and I, it sounds from your reviews that other people think it's great as well. I read a bunch of those. Seems very uh, positive. What are your experiences like when you go um, into classrooms or somewhere and, and, you, and you read them um, aloud? Well, just to piggyback on what you were saying, we were very intentional about making the character a superhero because 
our son was a super he's a superhero to us just going through all the challenges that he's gone through mm-hmm. um and to constantly keep a smile on his face you know he was never all down he, he you know that's how he communicated through smiling so that's why our daughter thought he was laughing at her a lot of times you know it wasn't just a, it wasn't just a flap in the hands it was a smiling so you know just putting that character that's how we draw that we drew the kids in with the superhero character and then left the messages in the book for the adults you know so adults that read the book they'll see you know okay we had issues about bullying in the book uh, we had issues about you know affirmations like saying the importance of telling kids that we love them you know they're special they're great you know just showing that Trey could do things that other kids can do. You know, the, the first book begins with he loves to play bowling, golf, soccer, you know. So these are things that kids that are not on the spectrum do as well. So our, our message was just inclusion and understanding and instilling empathy in, in uh, adults and kids that aren't going through the same thing, you know. And with, with um, Asia, our daughter, her reactions were a lot of the reactions, the same reactions that Trey's classmates were giving him in school. So I saw it firsthand. I did an observation of him in kindergarten. His kindergarten teacher was the first teacher that really told us that there was an issue. You know, Mm -hmm. his other teachers prior to that wouldn't communicate that there was a problem in the classroom. You know, we asked every day, I'd come, how's he doing today? You know, vague answers. The kindergarten teacher, Miss Knight, we give her credit forever. The main one that said, I think you should come and see him. I think you need to get him tested, you know. So by observing him, I saw the bullying firsthand. I saw in the cafeteria watching kids take his school lunch and he was able, unable to communicate that, no, that's wrong. So a lot of the stuff in our books are, are taken from real life situations. And, you know, if he's going through it, there's other kids that are dealing with it as well. So we try to keep it close to real life as possible, you know, to have more of an impact. You know, I was trained to write what I know. So, you know, that's, that's what we try to do in, in these books. Yeah. And you're probably I'm sure that the people who are reading them and the parents who are reading them to their children at home, uh, the teachers who are reading them in their classrooms are probably responding in the same way that this feels real. Um, You know, the difference, you know, and I'm actually a former teacher, too. And I, I, you know, you always knew the difference between somebody who is writing about something they cared deeply about versus somebody who was writing because they thought it would sell books. Um, So and I think kids can pick up on that, too. So so really, thank you again for sharing um, such a private part of your life. with the public. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, I'm hoping we can dive into some of what Tracy Ann started by talking about, which is some of the disparities that you personally sounds like experienced, um, you know, uh, in terms of um, people in your community. And by that, I think you mean people of color who are getting diagnosed maybe at a different rate, different pace um, than others. And, you know, that's something that I think you, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, um, you know, why that might be happening and, and what else can be done to um, to bring that uh, further to light. So we'll come back, we'll get a little bit more into that and then maybe a, a little couple of excerpts or little stories from the books to get people excited to, to get them on their shelves. This is One in 44, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and we'll be right back. And now, 1 in 44 continues on 100.7 WHUD. This is a weekly community affairs program presented by the Anderson Center for Autism. Welcome back to 1 in 44, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and I'm talking with Tracy Ann and Jamil Samuels, um, who are husband and wife, parents of Asia and Trey, and uh, co-authors of um, uh, the amazingly sensational 
kids books. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you at some point uh, in this half of the show to talk about the other books that you've written. Um, but uh, remember, you can get more information about the books and about the family by going to the amazingly sensational kids.com, following them on Instagram and Facebook. And um, so Trey, your son who has autism is 15. He's entering what for many families is an extremely exciting, but also scary time when you're looking sort of adulthood right in the face. Um, many families tell me that 15, 16 is right around the time when they've gotten used to the fact that their child has autism and is benefiting maybe hopefully from some services that they're getting. Um, and then you're getting ready for a next transition um, when they're out of the school system. How old is Asia? I know he's, she's younger than Trey. She's nine. She's nine. She's nine. Okay. So, um, so You've shared in in the books and on this podcast so far a lot about you know what it was like um, and what it's been like raising Trey and and uh, and why you got into you know taking your talents as a writer and as a social worker um, and putting them in this in this um, in this focused area of developing these books to broaden awareness and and talk about inclusion. Um, but Tracy Ann, when you started talking initially, you really commented on um, I think your quote was people in our community. So can you expand on that a little bit? Because I always think that the the autism community, to me, I always talk about it being gigantic because it affects so many people, but it's also very tiny in that usually once you start meeting other people who are somehow impacted by autism, whether they work in the field or are raising a child with autism or are on the spectrum themselves, the connections you can make with that community start to feel very tight. Um, but you're talking about your community. So I want to hear what you have to say about that experience and what do you mean by that? I am Caribbean American. Um where we don't talk about mental health. We don't talk about disabilities. We see something, we know there's something wrong with that child. No one speaks on it. No one says anything. Um, for me, when I noticed that Trey was exhibiting some behaviors of autism, I went to my husband and I said, you know, he is exhibiting A, B, and C. You know, he was like, no, I'm quiet. You know, you're trying to diagnose our child. And I said, no, I'm not trying to take my expertise and diagnose him, something is wrong. Then I went to my mom. She was like, go and pray. You know, I said, yes, I'm praying. I said, God gave me the skills that I can go ahead and advocate it for my son. We don't talk about it. We don't discuss it. We don't, there's, you know, even with services and resources, I went to the doctor and I kept on saying, you know, yes, he's meeting all his milestone. He's walking on time, but he's exhibiting these behaviors, which I'm seeing and everybody just brushed it off. I feel like everyone that I spoke to, a uh, woman of color, when they talk about their experience in dealing with autism, it's the same thing. No one was listening to me. You know, I felt like for me, his delay in not getting early intervention was because I was questioning my training. I was like, no, but I know what I'm seeing. I started to question myself because the doctors wasn't co-signed. No one was co-signing. The teachers wasn't co-signed. No one was, was, was co-signing what I was seeing. And as my husband said, Miss Knight, God bless her heart. You know, the reason why she could identify was that she was also a mother with a child with autism. So I just have given birth to Asia. I was home with Asia on maternity leave. And here is Trey going to another school. It was like five schools within a few years. Mm. And he teacher calling me. He's now five. 
the window of early intervention is gone. And she says, you need to come to the school. Your son is sitting on the table. And I'm like, he's what? He's now under the table. I said, oh, sit. I was, it was the most happiest day of my life because I knew she saw what I was seeing. I was finally going to get my son tested. And I remember calling my husband, calling my family and said, I'm getting my son tested. Someone co-signed what I was seeing. But that sense of relief, what about those other parents in my community that no one talks about it? They're hiding in silence. They're depressed. Mm-hmm. They're in denial. You know, I tell a lot of people, I was in denial for a long time because no one was, was co-signing what I was seeing. I couldn't speak to someone in my community about it. No one was listening to me. So I became depressed. And I remember that Ahu, Miss Knight called. I felt good. I went and got him assessed. It took us a while, but I felt good. And I, I kept on saying, well, you know what? What I thought my son was going to be, I've got to mourn that child. And that's what I say to other mothers. You have to mourn that child that you thought you was getting. I gave you an even better gift because there's no way I would have been doing advocacy. I'm on a radio podcast. I've never saw that. Well, I'm a very quiet person, <laughs> but I'm an advocate. And I'm like, oh my God, God has changed my whole life. But we don't talk about it. And I felt like I needed to break that cycle and speak about it. You know, I'm, I reached out to my senators today. I was speaking to my senators. Do autism speak? I was able to more. I was able to get involved more with my community. I see to my senators like, okay, Autism Awareness Month is coming up. What are we doing? What are we doing for the community? What, you know, awareness is key. I saw my son on a, he was great at soccer, and I saw him on a play field having a sensory meltdown. And I saw parents laughing, children laughing, mm-hmm. and no one to say, hey, there must be something wrong. He's great at soccer. No one said anything. And I said, my, I said to my husband, we need to educate. It starts at home. It starts from the kids. It starts with parents telling mm-hmm. their kids that these kids are amazing. They may communicate different, but they're amazing too. So we don't talk about it. And that's why I'm here talking about it, bringing awareness. Early intervention is key. I wish Trey had early intervention. He didn't. We waited so long for him to get Initially, his first assessment, they wanted to say he had a communicative disorder. He doesn't have a communicative disorder. And I said, as a social worker, I said, no, he does not. And I remember the psychologist was saying, yes, he does. I'm the psychologist. I said, well, you know what? I'm going to get a second opinion. I'm entitled to a second opinion. He was like, well, you're going to get the same diagnosis. I said, no, he's not. And thank God, I waited a year to get the second diagnosis on, on Cohen Children's Center, but it was an awesome diagnosis. They said he had autism. I was happy because now he can get the actual services. We don't have the appropriate diagnosis. You can't get services. Right, right. You know, so, yeah. Wow, mm-hmm. changed your entire life. And I agree with you. So much of it starts uh, with parents and education. And, and but, you know, um, you may have never seen yourself on a podcast, but you're darn good at it. So you can probably do this again. And um, yeah, and, and I also it. find that, yeah, the advocates, right? I mean, parents are the best advocates. So I I, I certainly um, hope that you continue to to share your story and share your experiences. And, and you know, I think you touched on a really important to- uh, aspect too, which is, you know, you were out there looking for somebody to kind of recognize that there was there was truth to what you were seeing as a mom. Um, and, and a mom and, and somebody with, with, um, you know, a background in, in that area. However, um, there's also that need to take a moment and say, okay, things are going to change. So, you know, it seems like a big mix of emotions, I think at the time, but, um, but everybody, whenever families can find ways to channel that emotion into, you know, whatever way is going to work for them and going to make them feel like something, um, is really positive, I think is a great, um, great thing to talk about. So thank you for sharing that. Um, uh, I read something, Jamil, on the website that Trey loves music. 
and has found a way to express himself um, through music. And and that picture looked like maybe it was a couple of years old. I don't know if he, it was very recent, but is he still into music? And, and what is his life like these days? Absolutely. Uh, music actually helped him to open up a lot more. Um, at the beginning of his journey, his diagnosis, we tried to find a lot of things to get him to to open up, to engage, you know, our, our goal was to actually get him uh, to, to communicate with others, get socially active. So that's why we put him in sports. Um, but we found that, you know, music was the key that opened him up because a lot of times when he, when he got into middle school, um, he was, we were getting a lot of calls from his teachers saying that he was still just being disruptive. He was tapping on the table, banging on the desk, you know, and we realized he was hearing music in his head. So once we got him into music classes, you know, he plays multiple instruments. He plays the drums, he plays guitar, violin, you know, piano. So once he started getting those music lessons and playing the, the music, he was able to open up a lot more, you know, and the, the banging stopped in, in school because he was able to communicate through the music. That's fantastic. How cool is that? I love that. Um, so what, what are, um, what are your plans? I know we're probably going to not even have enough time now to go over all the books, but on the website, again, the amazingly sensational kids.com, you can look for yourselves to see all the different books that are available and how to order them. Um, and now I, again, I love the fact that you have the, um, that you have the, uh, um, the uh, adventures, the Amani adventures, right? The superhero yeah, adventures, but also the adventures of awesome Amani. Yes. Yes. Thank <laughs> you for that. The amazing adventures of awesome Amani. Um, and also the, uh, the Asia inspired um, book that talks about sort of becoming an advocate and, and being a sibling and, and how to get through that. Because I think that's a, that's a huge thing for so many siblings um, growing up and, and, you know, kind of balancing the desire to just live your own life because you're your own child. Um, but also recognizing that you have a sibling who um, you might eventually need to answer some questions about, or at least questions will be posed to you. And what do you say? And how do you handle that? So I think, um, I think that's great, but what, what are your future plans? Do you want to write more? Is there, um, is, are you focused now on really getting Trey through the next couple of years in terms of adulthood? Where, where are you all in this? Well, we have an awesome book that I know is coming out that um, parents could relate to. Um, Jamil is dropping a book about fatherhood and autism. I'm excited about it. It should be by April. I'm praying that it's dropped. I'm excited about that. We do have a lot of different books that we're writing. Trey, we're helping him to transition. Um, Trey wants to do music for the rest of his life. So we're trying to figure out where can he fit in? You know, does he want to do like a certification? You know, we're just working on different things, his communication skills, his social skills. You know, he thinks he's a cool guy. <laughs> so, you know, he's, probably. he's adorable. Absolutely is. You know, <laughs> we're ter I'm terrified because, you know, the mommy bearing me, I'm terrified of the next stage, but we're just working on it. It's just getting the information. That's a whole nother transition. I thank God for Autism Speak because I could go on there and they have different steps. They have all the information that I need in this him in transition. And that's why I go out there and advocate because I want them to I want them to be an asset to society. I want them to be an asset to society. You know, I'm, I, I want our government to say, OK, they can learn, learn as other kids. So they may learn differently, but they can be an asset. Let's give them an opportunity, give them an opportunity to have summer jobs. I'm advocating for that. That's my that's one of my dream things that they will have little summer jobs, even if they can file one paper. But give them a chance. Give yeah. them a chance. 
you know, that's what I'm advocating about. But I'm, I'm no Trey's going to do great things. And he's going to become an advocate as too for other kids on the spectrum. And Asia too as well. She's an amazing big sister. It took her a, a long time to really understand. I didn't want Asia to feel like she's stuck. And she has to be responsible for him. I want her to live her life. I want her to thrive. Mm-hmm. That's why we're advocating for Trey to have his own and to be independent. Um, but I want her to thrive. I want her to live. I want her to, to not be worried that she's going to be left with a burden. And that's where we're here. Yeah, as my wife said, I'm doing, uh, I'm putting out the book on fatherhood. It's talking about um, the whole journey that we discussed of me initially being in denial, worrying about the legacy, the heir to the throne <laughs> the syndrome, and then coming to the grips with the uh, diagnosis of autism. Um, it, it really pulls back the layers of uh, my thought process and how my wife and I clashed on, on, on trying to figure out what was going on with him. I feel it's really important because uh, a lot of, you know, as you said, uh, we, we put out work that we hope will impact a lot of other parents that are going through the same things. Um, we also want to expand on the Armani series. Um, we hope to get a, a television series, a cartoon series in the future, toys. You know, we, we see it expanding and growing. Um, he, he we're, He's dropping another book this, this year as well. Uh, first time since 2019, he's been the star of his own book. Jitters and Fear came out. He hasn't been in his own book, so we want to be planning to put out another book. Uh, his first time visiting uh, a new dentist. So, you know, we, we talk about oral hygiene yeah. and, and, and sensory issues that come along with that. So that's the next book. Um, Asia, we want to bring Sandy back. You know, her book was such, you know, a lot of people underestimate the power of that book. That's our favorite book to, to, because it talks about the sibling perspective and just her growing and learning the information and, and, and gaining that empathy and being able to to, to apply that to her own classroom and, uh, and her own classmates who's also on the spectrum. You know, that's very important that that. that that you know, spectrum from going from not understanding to understanding what's going on with her brother and being able to share that information. And she's been inspired too. She's writing her own books as well. So, you know, we, we want to put that out as well. <laughs> Good for you, Asia. I, you know, I was just going to say what the last couple of things you just commented on, Jamil, to me, that's how you change the world is that you start, you start with something that you're passionate about. You start with inspiration and the fact that not only are you expanding the books you're writing and, and you're certainly hitting a topic that I think is huge in terms of fatherhood and sort of coming to terms with things. And, and also being in a, in, in a marriage where where one parent is sort of in a different place with it than the other one. And there needs to be some time and probably a lot of effort and a lot of discussion um, around getting to, to be on the same page with it. But, um, but what you said about what's happening now in Asia's classroom and preparing her um, and getting her excited about, the fact that she has a level of expertise in in understanding with and and interacting with other people she's going to meet in her lifetime for sure who are on the spectrum that to me is how the world starts changing and so i think it's it's wonderful um, I want to thank you both for being on the show today. Again, your your website is theamazinglysensationalkids.com. Tracy Ann and Jamil Samuels, uh, with special thanks to two who couldn't be here today, Trey and Asia Samuels, who certainly sound like superstars to me. And I really appreciate your time today. And best of luck with with all of your future uh, your future books and hopefully TV and, and whatever comes after that. <laughs> thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate this. <laughs> My pleasure. This is 1 in 44, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism special disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to One in 44, a weekly presentation of the Anderson Center for Autism. Join us for another edition of the show at this time next weekend.